you don't have to educate them on like every single facet. It's our responsibility as professionals to educate our clients. But I don't have any responsibility to do that. <laughs> My responsibility is to make sure that I do it well and it's what they want. Hi, everyone. I'm Sid Sharice. And I'm David Bosher. And you're listening to Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. Where we teach you to salon differently. Let us introduce you to one of our favorite product companies, Reverie. Reverie is hair care for all humans, no matter your hair type. Their clean and innovative formulas nurture the integrity of your hair for unrivaled results. Reverie is made intentionally in California, paying attention to detail at every stage of the process. Their mindfully sourced vegan ingredients and environmentally friendly packaging showcases their commitment to creating alchemy in a bottle. Reverie was created in 2011 by Garrett Markinson and continues to be a family-owned and operated business to this day. Tap the link in the episode description to get connected with our friends over at Reverie. I don't know who needs to hear this, but stocking retail shelves does not make you money. But do you know what can? Online sales. DTH has partnered with Salon Interactive to bring you a free marketplace to sell the products you love to your clients and followers without having to spend a dime on retail. Salon Interactive brings back the power to the artist. You get to make a large commission from your sales, whether your client and followers buy them at 2 a.m. from their couch or directly from their phone while eating breakfast. Making money in your sleep is now possible with Salon Interactive. Best part is, it's free. Visit saloninteractive.com slash DTH for more details. So much to say. This podcast episode is called Stop Over-Educating Your Clients. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. We'll I play mean, the title. Well, I mean, I grew up with like, I don't know, teaching your clients everything like you were required to teach your clients every single thing that you did yeah and i i understand now as you know i don't know am i a senior in the field i don't know know now (laughs) after this many years i know that the more education that you offer a civilian regarding their hair a civilian That like tips or tricks or products and stuff, like we're always going to talk about those things, but the technical parts of what we do, like how to highlight what it means to Bali, like all those like intricate details, like how toner works. I think we went through a phase in our industry where it was, everyone was taught to educate, educate, educate. And the problem with that is that now we live in a world of clients who I think assume they know what they're talking about. Because one person told them. And sometimes it's misinformation. If you put a bunch of colorists in a room, I guarantee you, and asked a simple question like, how does toner work? Collectively, you would probably get to the same answer, but we would all have a different way of explaining that. But we also have the knowledge from school of deep diving into that concept where clients don't have that knowledge background. So even though we would all be saying the same thing, maybe in a different way, that client is going to take that minute saying and think mm. it's completely different in their head and then try to go educate people on why they don't need toners. And you're like, no. And then we do the thing where we're like, well, your old hairdresser is wrong. And then that's just like making our industry worse because we're bashing people when we don't know the situation or 
what they were looking at and why they did what they did or what they were using. And we don't have all the facts, right? And so we tend to, oh, it's your old hairdresser's fault. But really, none of us should be explaining anything to the client to that degree. You want to look like this picture? Okay, it's going to cost as much. <laughs> it's that simple. Yeah, I think that's all the people that talk about their version of educating and consulting when it goes into like the consulting part it gets kind of bizarre because i feel like the consultation turns into like explanation mm -hmm. when that's not really what it's for the consultation is to collect information to then declare to the client it's going to cost this much it's going to take this much time i mean that's all they need to know and then the rest is relaxation or chatting or whatever but we've like overcomplicated the whole thing. I don't want to know like how my food is made. Mm -mm. I want to I want to tell the wait staff like what I want. And I might know exactly what I want, but like I don't want to watch the process or know exactly how there are TV shows for that. Right? <laughs> like I don't I don't want that happening when I go to the restaurant. So I'm not really sure why we as hairdressers think if we educate people more and more than they'll understand. It's like the salon owner who thinks they educate their staff on the numbers that their staff will understand. Or no like the understands. numbers. <laughs> yeah. Like the more you explain it doesn't mean I'm going to like it. <laughs> exactly. So I don't, it's such, I don't know. I find it really bizarre. Like I just find it bizarre how we, how we do that. I remember early in my career knowing a lot of technical terms. Mm -hmm. I mean, I still do, but I made the mistake of heavily using those terms that were made just for hairdressers to communicate with clients because I didn't feel confident. I didn't feel professional. There was a lot of insecurities, right? I think we can all say that we felt that way at some point. And so sometimes we get into this, I need to over-educate to compensate for the insecurities or how I'm feeling or the lack thereof, right? then clients now know things that they don't understand fully. And then it's just a shit show. Like when I have to argue with a client on what texturizing means or when they're like, I don't cut hair anymore, but when they're like, don't do the thing where you point cut, you know? And it's just like someone <laughs> traumatized you, told you what that was. And now you're associating the trauma with that technique. Or someone said, don't ever let anyone point cut your hair. Mm-hmm. Don't and ever let turned, anybody use a razor. Right. And then it like turned into the client thinking that they're educated on what to do or what not to do. And I'm not saying that every client, like they shouldn't know anything about their hair, but I, I just think we've created monsters. We haven't educated them. We've given them our opinions. Yeah. And then our opinions get wrapped up and morphed with their opinions. And now they're spewing out what they think they know as education. And I think that's where it gets a little, a little iffy. Like, I don't know, go to school, get your cosmetology license, learn what you need to learn. And then you go and use it. You didn't learn what you learned so you could go teach it. Yeah. Unless you want to become a cosmetology teacher or an educator in some exactly. sort. So, to teach characters, not clients. <laughs> yeah. And again, my favorite saying, that was all created by product companies to sell products. This idea of educating clients. I see it. It's my biggest pet peeve on Instagram, on our fucking account, is when we post things about not selling retail or not 
ordering retail and having on your shelves, the thing I see all the time is like, we need to educate our clients. Clients need to be educated about educate, educate, educate. And it's like, no, that no, they don't. Yeah. They you can tell them why you like it. You can share what's good about it, how to use it, but like what's it gonna do to, for them? <laughs> yeah, we don't have to educate them on like every single facet of every single thing. And I I'm just so sick of hearing like it's our responsibility. That's my least favorite one too. It's our responsibility as professionals to educate our clients. But I don't have any responsibility to do that. My responsibility is to make sure that I do the hair, I do it well, and it's what they want. Because anything other than that, there's a problem. But the only group of people that ever told me it was my responsibility to educate clients were product companies. And I wanted to say to everyone, you are not responsible for that. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those things like, here's what I used to create what you wanted. Here's how to use it. And there has to be some some drive, some go desire. Play. Go play. Yeah. Go have fun with it. That's the one thing I do tell my clients all the time is I don't want them to do it the way that I do it. Like I want them to find their own way of doing it because what happens is they go home and then they feel bad and they didn't do it the exact way I did it. And it's like, that's okay. It's still going to create a result that's simplified for you. But and guess what? They're never going to be able to do it like we do it. Mm-mm. No. And then so, we put this pressure on them like, you have to do it. And it's just like, we do this all day long. We practice all day long. And I think of any advice I would give you is to tell your client, like, do it the best way you can. <laughs> but I mean, I think- Like my dry cleaner does my laundry better than me, but that doesn't <laughs> mean that I need to do it like them. I just go to them when I want it done perfectly. Like it's the same, same thing. Well, I want to make this really clear too. This podcast isn't fully this mainly about our terminology around techniques and educating mm-hmm. clients there because we're going to have that one person's like, oh, how do I teach them how to use product? OK, like, fine. You have to teach them how to use their products, but you're not responsible for what happens at home. Like they have to learn for themselves. But the issue is when you're in the chair and you're telling them terminology that's ours, that's a problem. My wife is a doctor. Literally, I I was making fun of her this morning, actually, because she hit her ankle. She could have just said ankle on the side of the bed, getting out of bed. But instead, she was like, oh, I hit my tibulus. I was like, what are are you? You hit your what? You hit your freaking ankle. Just say ankle, Astrid. And I I was picking on her. But I say it all the time. I'm like, speak English. Like, speak English to me. What are you saying? And she... I hate to use the word dumb down because I think that's insulting, but she simplifies what civilians. It's for civilians. Yeah, for civilians. She simplifies it so that I can understand this complicated medical scenario and understand like how it works. And I think that's exactly what we're doing in our hair world. We're going in and saying these really technical terms and then not simplifying it or not getting the client to understand the importance of things and the why. And I think we put a lot of negativity on things that we're not comfortable doing. For example, I had a client come to me last year because I really don't take any new blonding clients anymore. When I first started doing her hair, I use a lot of foils. I do balayage. I do whatever the hell I need to do as a blonding specialist to get the job done. And she was like, oh no, you can't use foils in my hair. And I was like, why? (laughs) I'm like, I kind of just was like, 
dumbfounded. Like, do you have an allergy? Is there something that I don't know that your hair's gonna do? Is there like- you have a tinfoil allergy? Exactly, like what's happening? And she's like, oh no, I always get balayage because I was told by my previous hairstylist that she had for years that when you put your hair in foil, it fries it. And why that, that can be true, but is that, the, you know, so I explained, I had to explain to her how, yes, that is true. <laughs> if I do put your hair in here, it could fry it. It could also fry it if I just paint it on. It's the chemical and it's how it's used and it's who's behind the wheel of using this chemical. And she felt more confident in the end and I was able to create what I needed to create. I could still feel her you nerves. You uneducate her. I did. I could still feel her nerves the whole entire time, but I was confident and I was empathetic to her fear of that and it all worked out fine. But it's just things like that. It's, I think we've talked about it on a previous episode where we used to, or no, we, t- we talked about it in our coaching. Like, I think it was the Risky Business Tour where we broke <laughs> everything down and we were talking about fear reaction systems and our frights, basically, our fright reaction systems and how they will talk people out of getting certain haircuts mm-hmm. or colors because of it. And I think that's what we're seeing a lot of like, oh, foils are bad because this person maybe wasn't comfortable with foils. Yeah. And you hear things like, oh, I never balayage. I only use foils. And now you have a client who's like, oh, they've just learned a a secret. (laughs) You know, like, oh, balayage is bad. So it's funny that we think that, again, going back, we're not very rarely are we actually properly educating someone. We're usually just giving them our opinion or we're educating them so that we don't have to do something like I used to do it all the time with clipper cuts mm-hmm. I'd be like oh I never use clippers you know I would uh, make up some yeah. like I don't like making that look you're not gonna like that I, I always use shears but the reality was I just wasn't comfortable using clippers and so I educate all my clients that clippers were bad so I apologize to anyone who's ever had to work with my clients after me this is when I was younger now, like barbering and clipper work is like, it always has been, but more and more and more has it become a specialty. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's just so funny. Like I spent so much time convincing all of my clipper cuts to switch to shears. And now they're probably living their best life with clippers. But yeah. it, I, I was that person that was educating them incorrectly. And I was giving them my opinion so that I could feel more comfortable. What I should have said was, I'm not comfortable doing clipper cuts. Well, what we were taught, you take every client. You take every uh, client. Yeah. And then we get that fear mentality as hairdressers of, I need money. If I don't take this client, I'm going to lose money. And something I know we do as coaches is empower people to say no. We do it in our coaching. Our students sometimes bring things to us that we're like, this is above our pay grade. You need to seek a therapist or you need to seek... <laughs> a lawyer, or I am still going to coach you on A, B, and C, but I'm not going to try to go where I, I shouldn't go. And the same thing happens with us as hairdressers. We are, oh, I just got to take it. I'm going to figure it out. And then we cause more damage. And we cause this trauma to the clients that then cause more harm. Anyway, it's this vicious cycle. It happens a lot in our curl community. I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen people terrified of cutting curls and they flat iron it out and then tell the client that it's better for their curls to flat iron it out. To and, Like, I remember seeing that in, a sal- in, in the salon and salons that I taught. And I'm like, oh, what are we doing? Stop. Especially when I was an educator in the beauty schools. I'm like, I know you were not taught that. This is a fear-based thing. 
because they felt like they had to take a client. And I would rather you say no than cause harm. Owning a salon or working in your own suite requires a large amount of financial understanding. And if you are anything like me, you don't love doing math. That's why we teamed up with Salon Scale, the first of its kind all-in-one professional salon app to calculate all of your back items and more. Whether you do extensions, color, or find yourself over-ordering, Salon Scale can keep track of it all. Stop guessing on your expenses, go digital, and get Salon Scale. Want 10% off your annual subscription? Tap the link in our episode description to use the code DTH10 at checkout. If you know Destroy the Hairdresser, then you know we talk about hourly pricing all the time. That is why partnering with Aura was a no-brainer. Aura is a new salon booking software that works for salons switching to hourly pricing. Implement the hourly pricing model seamlessly with Aura's online booking experience. Salons can customize pricing per provider and display the provider's hourly rate. If you're switching to hourly, switch to Aura. Tap the link in our episode description to unlock instant savings. I think technical education for hairdressers has kind of been ruined. Maybe that'll be our next mission to completely change that. But I think that, like, I don't know. I just look back at technical education, A, the way that I learned, and B, the way that we used to teach. And it's just, it's almost, like, too technical. It's like, yeah. does that make sense? Yeah. Like, it's too technical. Sometimes hair, you if you could just approach it as an art form and as like we talk about it now like fabric and Mm -hmm. and fiber and you just look at it i think most hairdressers if you were to undo all their training would be like i know what to do here yeah i naturally get it but because everything's so technical and you hold it here and you pull it here and you 90 degree it here and you got to stand like this and you got to put your shears like i think our creative brains start to like break down and then we're like Oh, I don't know how to do curly hair. I don't yeah. know how to do textured hair. I don't know how to do this hair. I don't know how to hold clippers. You know, I don't you, know. How. Yeah. Because you were taught that there was a specific way it had to be done. And I think about how I came into hair. Like when I was younger, I just grabbed a pair of scissors and like cut my friend's hair. Mm-hmm. Same. And like that was how I learned at the beginning that like I enjoyed it. Did I mess things up? Yes. Did I learn from that? Yes. But like, then when I went to school and it became very technical, I kind of lost my natural like energy for it. And I think that's what happens with the hairdressers over time. We get really technical and then we got to educate everyone. And now we're like a, I don't know what we become. We become like a technician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And we got to sell products and like. We're machines. So up. Yeah, we're machines. We became machines. And it's like, what if you were just. A quarter of an inch off, is that going to throw everything off? Especially when you see a lot of freehand cutting where it's, it very is just, I'm going to pick up this hair and I'm going to cut it to place it here. And I'm going to hold it over here to create weight, or I'm going to pull it this way to create movement. And I think like if we can get back to that a little bit, I actually appreciated the technical. I started like you just hacking people's hair because my mom was a hairdresser. So of course I thought I can do this. And then when I went to school, I really appreciated the technical, but I appreciated the technical so I could fuck it up so that I could then not do what I was told to do. Like I yeah. I wanted to rebel against that and 
create my own foil placements and create my own way of coloring hair and like why couldn't I do this or why couldn't I try this I think that's what makes us artists but I think there's so much criticism in our industry like people just bashing people because they moved their hand or did something weird and it's just like stop being assholes well I remember working at a salon with up and coming at least I think they think they are up and coming celebrity stylists and basically like in the hair world especially like in the early 2000s i think you found your hair person and then you copied them like you know like there are people that like learn from vidal sassoon and then they like precision cut everything and then there were people that worked with sally hirschberger and everything was a shag and not only was it a type of haircut it was also like the sectioning was like that person and the blow drying was like that person and working at the salon everyone copied the main person and every blow dry was the same and every section was the same and every and it just kind of became it reminds me of like screen printing like you, you, like you take like an original photo mm -hmm. and you just keep copying it yeah and then we keep selling that photo and that photo as we keep selling it the more that we do becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper mm -hmm. and i think that's what the early 2000s were and i and i think now in the mid 2000s i don't know where we are in 2022. I still think we're in the roaring 20s. <laughs> we are in the roaring 20s. I think we're in this weird, like, in a good way, a little bit of a renaissance in a lot of parts of the world mm -hmm. and a lot of areas of life. But I think really in the hair world where the educator who's doing things like for a brand is like no longer cool. It's now like the person that like created their own, you know, created their own. And I hope that all the educators out there that do listen to our podcast, I hope that they can remove themselves a little bit from like the building blocks of every technical thing. And it's funny too, because I always hear, well, you got to learn the rules so you can break them. I agree <laughs> with that. However, who created the rules? Why are those and, like, why rules? are those? Yeah. Why are those the rules? Because each like, different a, school you go to has its own set of rules. I mean, exactly. I talked to our coach Kate a lot. She's our head coach here at Restore the Hairdresser, and she has a degree in art history. And I love talking to her because her opinion about hair is very much like art school. Like, you don't actually learn the rules. You just learn about the people who did it their way. Mm -hmm. And then you find your, your way. And I think that's a better approach for a hair school is like, this is what Vidal did, right? This is what... Kristen. You know, horse, horse did like, this is what all these different amazing people did. And then you in school, you're there to learn what you do. What does David want to do? You're, yeah. And who do you borrow from and stealing like an artist, right? Like, who am I borrowing from? Who am I getting my inspiration from? But we don't do that right now. Right now we're like, oh, I'm precision. I do like Vidal's precision. Mm -hmm. Oh, I do a shag like this. And then we have like all these funny little schools of thought, but I think the whole technical thing turned into an education thing, turned into like that spewing over to clients. And now clients are just running around thinking they're hairdressers, telling hairdressers what to do. Mm -hmm. FYI, like, you're not telling me what to do. <laughs> you said steal like an artist, which anybody listening, we've talked about this book. I'm sure of it on our podcast, but it's a really quick, easy read. And it's like, game changer it's called steal like an artist the author is austin cleon and i highly recommend you go read it it's powerful 
Yeah, it's like a little coffee table mm -hmm. illustration book, but it's lovely. Yeah, we read that one really early. He has another one that I can't remember, but I think the first step for people out there that are in the like, oh my God, I educate my clients or realizing like, holy shit, I over-educate my clients. Like you said at the very beginning, the consultation should be very simple. Like, let's talk about what you want. I don't need to tell you how I'm going to get there. I just need to tell you if I can and then how long and how much. And if I can't get there, I need to tell you where I can get. Listen, your expectations are a little hmm. outside of the realm of possibility. But here's <laughs> what we can do. I love that. We should, your expectations are a little <laughs> bit outside the realm of possibility. That everyone yeah. needs to take that to your chair. Yeah. That's outside of the realm of possibility. The realm of possibility. It's like the circle of trust. <laughs> <laughs> the realm of possibility is going to cost you this much and yeah. it's going to take this much time and a little outside that realm is like a two visit session <laughs> yeah. and it's going to take all day and then i go but, I, but hey miracles happen <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and then sometimes i'm like it didn't happen today <laughs> with a little bit of bleach and a little bit of prayer <laughs> we may be able to all achieve can be achieved <laughs> Again, like practice in your consultations and practice your clients, not telling them what you're going to do. Just practice getting the information you need because you need the information. Who gives a fuck what they don't need the information. They just need to tell you what they want. But you are allowed to ask questions to dig up. Sid calls it information mining. Information mining. Yeah. And once you have the information you need, the consultation's over. Mm -hmm. We move forward. I think a lot of people use the consultation as an agreement. Like, okay, we agree on all this, which I think is unfair to the client because the consent is a, you can do my hair and you're going to pay this price. <laughs> yeah. It's not like, okay, we agree and we are making a visual eye contact truce of like, we're doing this together. Like, no, the consultation is me getting my information. And when I have my information then we're going to get started, it's not about all the consultation methods out there. Just, we actually simplified our consultation method. You can find it on our community dashboard if anybody wants to join our community. It's basically what we just said. It's everything we just said, but also <laughs> we ask our clients. And how do you want to feel? How do you want to feel? How do you want to feel when you leave here? And then that sparks a whole big conversation. And I start all my consultations like that, like with a new client and not even a new client with all my clients. How do you want to feel when you leave today? I want to feel brighter. I want to feel... I want to feel movement. I want to feel sexy. I want to feel like confident. Sometimes it's gender affirming. Sometimes it's all of these things. And then you as a hairdresser know exactly technical wise what you need to do to create that feeling. I sometimes, if some people don't know how they want to feel, but they know how they don't want to feel. So sometimes you have to ask them, how do you not want to feel? And a lot of it's like, I don't want to feel like a soccer mom. I don't want to feel frumpy. Frumpy is a word I get from clients all the time. I don't want to feel frumpy. Yeah. I don't even know what frumpy. I, frumpy is not even a. I frumpy feel is fuzzy. A feeling. <laughs> I don't. Yeah, I don't want to feel dull. I don't want to, you know. And all of those things help me as a hairdresser because I know how to get the opposite of dull, right? I know how to get. You don't want to look like a soccer mom to me. A soccer mom, and then I have to. I have to tell them like to me, soccer mom is hair in a ponytail, and a story. <laughs> and those questions how do you want to feel how do you not want to feel allow you to 
open up even possible the possibility of doing things they didn't even book for right like have you ever thought about going all over blonde as opposed to just a few highlights because you want to be brighter and i don't know i that it's just it's just a more fun that's where the power of imagery comes in what if we did this the power of imagery and also the curse because if you show them if they don't like the person's face They're like, oh no, I don't want that. And They're I'm like, like, you're looking. Uh, she was in a TV at... show, and I've never liked her since. So please don't show me that. <laughs> I have a friend like yeah, that I... that can't separate the actors' characters from them in real life. <laughs> so she despises Kevin Bacon for one of the horrible movies he was in, where he was like a <laughs> killer. And like, whenever oh, she funny. sees him, she's like, Ugh. <laughs> he's horrible. Yeah, and I'm like, he's you a know, there was a. <laughs> You know, that was just a movie, right? <laughs> that is funny. So, in a nutshell, stop over educating your clients. Make your life easier. I love that. Stop over educating your clients. Make your life easier. DTH out. Next time on Destroy the Hairdresser, the podcast. This is this and that is that. And it's like, well, what if it wasn't? What, what's all this fuzziness right. in, in the in-between? And I think that fuzziness is in the in-between is where I try to look at and keep my beliefs because I think that's where I can be empathetic. <laughs>